Well, it's amazing, isn't it, um, to be in this beautiful uh, building. Um, it was 95 years ago that the First Congregational Church of Pasadena had its first ever service here. And uh, it's amazing that through the last 95 years, different churches have met in this space, continuing a tradition of lifting up the name um, of Jesus. And they've gathered every Easter around this central image, the image of the cross of Jesus Christ. And tonight, uh, we're gathering. We're gathering with churches and prisons and hospitals and schools and colleges like uh, the one that meets here, Providence, to celebrate, to celebrate this day we call Good Friday. But if you think about it, like, it's a little bit of a strange thing to do. Why would you gather in a building to celebrate the barbaric torture and the death of a man who lived 2,000 years ago, thousands of miles away from here? And why, if you celebrate something like that, would it make any difference to your life? Especially if you've lived through the same last couple of years that I have, where we've witnessed all around the world sickness and death and isolation and turmoil and fragility of human life, and even today as wars rage in Ukraine. Why do we call this Good Friday? Why are we here? Well, I want to suggest that the reason that we're here tonight is because it's actually only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only because of Good Friday that we actually get to have any degree of certainty, any degree of hope, any degree of forgiveness, and call this a new beginning and a new start. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, everything we see is everything that there is, and it's scary. But with the cross of Jesus Christ, we recognize that there is something more, that God did not leave us in our mess. God did not leave the world as it was, but he came to rescue it. He himself stepped in, and he stepped into your darkness, and he stepped into my darkness, and he stepped into our messes. And that's why I think even amongst what we see on the news, even amongst everything we've seen today, tonight, billions of people around the world will gather in places like Ukraine, Sudan, North Korea, all over the world to celebrate, to reflect on the offense that took place in that Jerusalem 2,000 years. People will mourn, they will weep, they will pause in silence to remember the greatest and most costly sacrifice ever seen. When Jesus, God himself, took the weight and the pain and the suffering of all of the world on his shoulders and he died on a cross and he did it for you and he did it for me. The last time I got to minister in a beautiful old church like this it was actually a bunch of years ago when I was the pastor of three churches just outside of London in the United Kingdom. They were beautiful old churches, actually considerably older than this one. And every single church was in a little local village community and it had around it a beautiful graveyard. And part of the job that I had was to bury people who died in the local community. Sometimes I knew them really well. Sometimes we'd never come into contact before. Um, and I'd never actually done a funeral before I went to those churches. But I got a phone call and I'd been there just literally a couple of months to the tragic news one morning that a Team GB under 18 uh, Olympic hopeful athlete, a young girl, had been run down with her best friend outside of their running club by a drunk off-duty soldier. The whole village came out to mourn at her funeral, which we held, the national press arrived, about a thousand people gathered, and we lamented, we mourned at the death, untimely, tragic death of this young girl. 
But over the, the weeks and the months and the years that followed, I continued to bury people in this same graveyard along the same road. Some of them were old, some of them were young. Some died tragically, some died slowly. Some, the whole villages would gather, some just a few. But in every single instance, right up until the last grave across that row of the graveyard, which I did on the last week that I was in those churches of a 96-year-old lady who died peacefully in her sleep, every time I would go and I would sit with the families, and I would mourn with them, and I would cry with them, and I would hold hands, and I would pray for them, and I would look after them through that extremely difficult portion of life. But I learned to see something. I learned to understand something. I learned to spot something. And the thing that I learned to understand and to spot was hope. Something of the Easter story that was present in so many of those homes. And I'd walk into those homes and something was different. Something was different for the families who had embraced the Easter story. Something was different even in their pain that they could say some amazing things. And in fact, the things that I saw were two. Two things that I want to just speak to you briefly about. That the two things of the Good Friday story... And the first one is this. Those families had an unshakable Christian understanding that death doesn't have to be the end. You know, uh, there's this amazing uh, reading through the Old Testament of the Bible because it tells us about a God who loves us. It tells us about a God who created a beautiful, teeming world with life and creativity and joy. And he created human beings in his likeness. And he said to them, I love you. I want you to be in relationship with me. I'm going to give you free will. You can either choose to go my way. You can choose to live this life the way I planned it. Or you can do your own thing. It's up to you. But sadly, what we actually read of in the Bible is time and time and again from Adam and Eve all the way through of human beings going like this, well, yeah, we know you're there, God, but actually we're busy. Actually, we've got our own plans. Actually, we're going to do our own thing. And sadly, what we also read of then is that sin and brokenness and evil enters into the world. And we see the outcomes of the sin and the brokenness. We see of tragedy. We see of death. We see of sickness. We see of pain. And thousands of years go past, and time and again, God's people continue to do their own thing. And I don't know about you, if you were God, but I think if it was me, I'd probably be ready to call it quits by that point. But amazingly, astonishingly, what we're here tonight to recognize is that God did not walk away. You see, the sin and the brokenness and all the pain and all the suffering, it needed fixing. No amount of better behavior or good morality or life hacks were going to deal with it. Like something had to deal with the darkness. Something had to defeat the darkness that had entered the world, and there was only one possibility. And the only possibility that God himself would come. That God himself would take the weight, the punishment, and the death, and the consequences on his shoulders. That's why Jesus came to earth. Easter, Easter is not the sad death of a good man. Nobody who calls themselves God can be just a good man. He was the long-awaited, hoped-for, longed-for, prophesied Messiah figure. The one who Isaiah spoke to when he said this 600 years before Christ came to earth. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a, a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract him to us, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You see, death and brokenness and pain had separated us from God. Where the world was headed for death and decay and darkness, God made a way. And he did it on the cross for you and me. It says in the reading we just had, surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering and he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed because we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's why Jesus died. I don't know what the best gift, the most generous thing anyone's ever done when I was uh, 80, done for you, when I was uh, 19 years old, my uh, lovely great aunt who was 90 years old gave me her sporty little black Nissan and that felt like the most exciting thing in my life. Maybe someone's given something better to you. Maybe a wonderful gift. Maybe their time, their care, their money. I think we could probably all agree that the greatest thing that anybody could ever do is give their life for somebody else. On the 25th of February this year, Vitaly Volodymyrovich, took me a while to say that, uh, who was a Marine in the army in Ukraine, witnessed that a convoy of tanks was heading for Kiev to start shelling innocent people. And so he volunteered to blow up the Gnetsky Bridge, 30 kilometers north of Kiev, knowing that he didn't have time to retreat to safety. And he died saving countless lives. 
his death will go down in history as being heroic and brave. But his death actually pales into insignificance to the death of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus' death was not just physical. It was spiritual and it was emotional. On the death, of, uh, the death of Jesus Christ, it says, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. He took the punishment that was rightly ours on himself. And when I witness that in these families, that understanding what those families realized and what I came to realize when I was a teenager is that because of Jesus' death, that means that death does not have to be your end and death does not have to be my end. That the invitation of the cross of Jesus Christ is an invitation back into relationship with Jesus, which means that when we physically die, and we will, that we will one day live again. That we will rise again in glory, that we will see heaven. And when I met with those families and they could say, my aunt, my uncle, my brother, my sister, my son and my daughter, this is not their end. It changed everything for them. And the same offer is for you and for me. That's why John writes in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it but to save the world through him. It's amazing. It almost feels overwhelming to me. It almost feels too much, especially when you think that if you had been the only human being on the planet, God would have still done it for you because he loves you so, so very much. And I think that's an amazing cause for hope this Easter. But the other thing that I briefly want to tell you about that they discovered, those families, is that they realized in those dark, difficult moments that God walks through the roller coaster of life amongst us, alongside us. I feel like if you've been alive over the last two years, and I imagine you probably all have, and if you've breathed over the last two years, and I imagine you all have, then probably you've learned something new about suffering. You've learned something new, a little bit about pain. Maybe it's just been something really small about the restrictions around life. Maybe it's been something bigger of sickness or isolation and loneliness or the death of a loved one. And in these kind of moments, we can go like, where is God? Where is God when we look on the news and we see Ukraine? Where is God when we've just been through COVID-19? Where is God that everything that's going on in my heart and my life and the messes that I have to face, where is God? And here's the answer. God is here. God is right here waiting at the cross for you. He's waiting there if you haven't been to church ever. He's waiting if you haven't been for a while. He's waiting if you've never prayed or talked to him before. He's waiting if you stop believing in this kind of stuff a very long time. God never stopped waiting for you. When we look at pain out in the world, we can think, well, God's just irrelevant, isn't he? He has nothing to say to my life anymore. And sure, if God is just some distant old man in the sky who's harsh and judging, then he's got nothing for you. Or if God is just some vague, nice spiritual feeling that you feel when you go to the beach or hike up a mountain, God has got nothing good for your life. But if God loved you so much that he would get on that cross and die for you, then that God has something for your life. Jesus knew the ups and downs of human life historically attested in countless historical documents that he was real, that he died, and that he rose again. He loved, he laughed, he partied, he wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus, and ultimately he experienced the ultimate loneliness and separation from his eternal father when he died on the cross. For we, Hebrews says, do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. No, 
Jesus on the cross tells us about a God who loves you so much that he would never leave you. Even in all of the darkness that you and I might ever face in our lives,